0: My name is uh, Paul, I serve as an elder here at Harvest Decatur, uh, our fearless leader Tony is out preaching in DeKalb, um, but today we're going to be looking into James chapter 2, so if you got your Bible with you, uh, feel free to turn to there, and uh, that's where we'll be, we'll be looking, um, but I'm going to jump right out of the gate here, and I'm going to tell you all where we're going, belief elicits response. So let me ask you a question by way of show of hands. Um, how many of you believe in gravity? Yes. Good, 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 good. All right, now, let me ask you, but how many of you really believe? Right? <laughs> okay, <laughs> good job, Dave. Yes. Um, so, that, yeah, that's kind of a weird question to ask, uh, you know, because it, it's so ingrained in our psyche, um, that uh, doubting gravity seems absurd. But I propose to you that this is the case not because we've studied the uh, the, the micro, macro physics of space, but because we have tested it and we have found it to be unwaveringly true. We have fallen and been hurt. So yes, we believe. However, I would venture to say that there is one man in this room uh, who... Uh, Might possibly um, have some disbelief or be on the verge of disbelief in gravity. Uh, I I saw this man (laughs) climb to the top of this cross out here (laughs) and he shook it to prove its stability. I watched in amazement as he scaled the side of the cross and he stood on a horizontal beam on the top and he shook as vigorously as he could without hesitation no thought at all given to the enemy that could at any point bring him back down from his high position to the ground where he belonged with a sure and steady thud. (laughs) But as fearless as this man is, he too attested to the belief in gravity because when it came time, he climbed back down. (laughs) See, someone who might doubt gravity would be tempted to simply walk off the cross right to to see to what if belief elicits response when we believe in something we act accordingly to not do so is to not believe not really so james wrote that this belief this faith that doesn't do something is dead so we're going to ask the question of how do we have good faith in a good God? First, do not have an actionless faith. If you would look at me with verses 14 through 17 here in chapter 2 of James, it said, what good is, it, good is it, my brothers? If someone says he has faith but does not have works, can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled without giving them things needed for the body, what good is that? So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. And James further states in verse 24, you see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. So for those of you, uh, the astute scholarly type, you might squirm a bit um, at this passage and its seemingly contradictory claims uh, um, against Paul, specifically Paul the Apostle Paul, specifically his teaching in Romans. Yet when we look carefully at what both are saying, James and Paul actually agree with one another. How so, you say? Well, I'm glad you asked. In fact, I have a, a few prepared remarks to answer that well-timely question. But to, uh, to leave much uh, of the expounding of Paul in Romans for another time, to put briefly, Paul is preaching salvation by grace through faith because he's preaching against those that use their own deeds for self-actualized realization. James, however is preaching of faith and action against those who inflate their own thoughts so as to be above common living. Paul argues against those that think do good and you are good. James argues against those that think believe good and all is good. The Apostle Paul, he does not teach, say the right words and live however you want. James does not teach your good deeds will bring you into good graces with God. A Douglas Wu has this to say about the apostle and, and Paul and James. And I quite agree, which is why it's going to be on a slide. He says, describing their complementary nature, we can appreciate the way James and Paul complement one another. Their opponents are different and their arguments accordingly different. But each makes an important contribution to our understanding of our faith. There are two sides to the same coin, just facing different directions. James believes that salvation is by grace through faith, and it is by God's initiating of that said grace. What he wants us to understand is that this faith is not actionless. James is getting right at the heart of the matter here, speaking against our own propensity for self-justification. I don't want to spend a a whole lot of inordinate amount of time describing this this difference and similarities between James and Paul because James carries his own weight uh, in this God-breathed letter to Christians spread around the world. But as a way of further insight, I want us to consider that this coin is one truth debunking two myths. One is the actions of an insecure person who covers it up with accomplishments. The man who strives for success in all that he does to assuage the question, nagging at his soul, am I enough? Do I have what it takes to be a man? The woman who compares her house, her children, her career with others desperately seeking to be loved, to be cherished, to be chosen. The other is, 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 a, is, a, is the claims of the doubtful who cover it up with piety. The man so focused on doctrine and discipline, espousing how vertical he is. The woman talking about the faults and failures of others while broadcasting her own goodness. The truth is neither has faith and neither is righteous. And the myth is that both think they are good when neither sees the state of their mind for what it is. What good is it when we do not come to grips with the enemy's assault on how we see God and and who we are in him? What good is it if we say we have faith, if we posture piety, if we display goodness, but we don't actually do good? What good is it? It's not. Life produces fruit. A plant with no life is dead. A life with no plant is nothing. Like the, the, a false pagan view that our souls can linger here on earth in a disembodied form. That's uh, nothing. Same with disembodied faith. It's nothing. It's useless. Taking zero actions brings zero benefit. If someone is hungry... And without proper clothing, and you raise your hand to bless them, and you say, My child, depart in peace. May you be kept in warmth and great nourishment. What does this this holding of the hand actually do? It's lazy, it's useless, ineffective, it's a gesture of death but our faith is not. Jesus offers living water and whoever drinks from him shall have rivers of living water flow out of him. That doesn't sound lazy or ineffective, does it? No, it sounds powerful and life-changing. In Martin Luther's words, oh, it is a living, busy, active, mighty thing, this faith. So Harvest Decatur, let's be on the lookout for how we do good to one another and in our community. So how can we have good faith in a good God? By not having actionless faith. Secondly, James tells us, do not put faith in your actions. So even though James just used this superb logic in presenting the must-must, the of actions flowing through faith. Here he uses a logical fallacy of a straw man to further his point. James' straw man argument goes like this in verse 18. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works and I will show you my faith by my works. It might be a logical fallacy, but he ain't wrong. There's some debate in the translation of this verse, mainly to do with exactly what did this someone say? What should we translate to be in quotations? Just the first part of 18, you have faith and I have works. Or is it 18, it's an entirety, you have faith and I have works, show me your faith apart from your works and I will show you my faith by my works. Or is it 18 and 19? You have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one. You do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. However, the majority agree that it is only the first part of 18. Albeit the rest allow for a continuity of the use of you. It ends up causing more confusion and figuring out what exactly James was trying to say. So here's my take on it. If... uh, You care to know. But in order to do this, I need a volunteer. (laughs) Yes, sir. Thank you. Completely random person from the congregation who has no prior knowledge (laughs) of this at all. Thank you for raising your hand. If you would, come on up. Good, good. All righty. So, uh, someone, meet everyone. Everyone, meet someone. Good. All righty. So, James says, hold on, we'll find it. (laughs) Yeah. All right, so James says, uh, he wrote, someone will say, you have faith, and I have works. Good. All right. So let me, uh, let me show you my faith by my works. All right? So if you would if you would indulge me for a minute, let's, uh, let's take those works that you've got, and let's set them aside over here. Okay? Good. All right. So now that, now that we've got them over there, just for a minute, we'll get back to them, but for now, they're over there. Okay? So devout one, tell me where your faith is. It's not here, is it? It's not here. It's over here. See, you've got these works you're doing, not in order to to, to prove your faith, but in order to prove yourself. Thanks for helping out. <laughs> appreciate it. Thank you, Josh, I appreciate that. <laughs> so you see, James points out here to not put our faith in our actions. If we try to claim that some are good, that you have faith and I have works. So some, some have faith, some have works. One of those, you know, is, is my thing. You know, then we're missing something. James wrote, conversely, I'll show you my faith by my works, by my actions. There's no this or that. There's no one or the other. It's now and always one and the other. That's like trying to say that some are good at loving God and some are good at loving people. But Pastor Tony pointed out when he preached 1 John that we're called to do both. It's like saying that some are, are good at love and some are good at truth. But Pastor Tony pointed out when preaching 2 John that we're called to both. And here in James, we're called to both faith and good deeds. There's a synergy of faith and works. They are fellow workers, helpers that cooperate together to bring about God's will in our lives. The Apostle Paul wrote in Philippians to continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to act according to his good purposes. There's no I did this or I made this happen. It's faith in Christ that compels us to move. So can I tell you a story? So when I was a child, um, I used to wander off purposely into the woods to get lost. And I I would wander around until eventually I, I figured out where I was. I would jump over creeks and I would climb small trees to bend them over to the ground to come back down. Adventurous stuff. But as I started to age, I I didn't quite make time to do this as much as I used to. But then I had a son. And I thought, when he gets older, I want to do that with him. (sighs) To this date, we have not... (laughs) ventured off in the woods to get lost together. As my children are getting older, I am sensing more of a need to go beyond the daddy says so stage and build into them strong bonds of faith and dependence upon God. This is the work that I'm feeling called to do to disciple my children. But I'm reminded time and again that this isn't a work that I do on my own or in my own strength. But it's a work that is driven by my faith. And because our living and active faith is in a living and active Jesus, this synergy flows through more than just me. It flows through us. Those who are disciples in Christ, we who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and who put no confidence in the flesh, So no, we haven't gone and gotten lost in the woods. But we were invited uh, on an adventurous pre-kayak trip in preparation for this last men's event. And this is the first time that both of us have ever been in a kayak and we enjoyed it tremendously. Through faith in God working through us this church helped me to be a good father. This, my friends, is faith and works. So how do we have good faith in a good God? By not having actionless faith, by not putting faith in your actions, and to move beyond lip service of our thoughts. Mere intellectual assent does not constitute faith. Show of hands, who believes in gravity? No, wait, we did that one. Um, who believes that investing is, is, is good for the future? Right, for retirement. Yeah, yeah, good, good. All right, so we can believe that investing funds is a smart way to save for retirement, and we can tell others the same and, and what to do. Uh, but then when we get to the time of when it's time to retire, and we look, and we don't have any money there. Because believing it will and saying it will doesn't matter unless we actually invest the funds. Similarly, we can inform people of how vehicles run on fuel. We can give them all the knowledge there is about combustible engines, but if that's all we have, then, then none of us are here this morning. We are stuck at home sitting there doing nothing, twiddling our thumbs, until we actually go beyond speaking and put fuel in the tank. James points out that knowledge or even verbal proclamation of God does not constitute redemptive faith. He wrote this here in verse 19. You believe that God is one, you do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. So this theological statement is a Jewish staple of orthodox doctrine. Hero Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. James points out that demons believe this, and we know that they're not redeemed. And we can read multiple instances where demons responded to Christ saying something along the lines, these lines. What are you to do with us, O Holy One of God? And they cower in fear. There's no redemption for their claim. There's no confirmation and encouragement that they are in line with the truth. But our faith is redemptive. So we are to move beyond just words. Jesus taught that many will say to me, Lord, Lord, but I will say to them, depart from me, for I never knew you. You see, a a surefire way to tell if something is amiss in our own heart is if we become more passionate about the things that are spoken than we do with the working at redemptive change. So I said I didn't want to talk about Paul and James the whole time, but what's interesting is in the centuries, the, there's been all this discussion and debate about the two. And in fact, it's kind of weird to, uh, to be in a stance of disagreement with someone like Martin Luther, who thought that the book of James was straw and not substantively accurate in his description of the Christian faith. See, the more I read James, the more I study it, the more I see this, this interconnected web of, of, of truth and each of his topics is drawing from one another and built upon one another. It's as if in his own mind, this this all fits perfectly together. But then on the outside, to us, it's, it's disjointed. But if I was to somehow sit in this green reading chair I've got that I like, and uh, Martin Luther was to sit next to me, and then I don't know, whatever chair he looks like he's got, I don't know. But we started to discuss these things and talk it out and, and uh, list out our different perspectives. And much of our time would be broiling over over what we think. I think God's spirit would be grieved because we'd be missing the very point that James is looking to make and how we should act in goodness in response to God's goodness. And that a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace to those who make peace. Don't get me wrong, uh, orthodoxy is important. And what we believe about God greatly matters. But if our passions begin to revolve around what is professed, about what is claimed, what is spoken, and not about how to do good for what we see that needs done, then we are in the wrong. And James says we're not much better off than the demons who do the same. So James is a, a likely it's that he's the brother of Jesus, Jesus and the leader in the early Jerusalem church. He didn't pull this teaching out of thin air. Jesus said something very similar. And it recorded in Matthew 5.20. It says, for I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Those are strong words from our Lord. Our righteousness must surpass that which is superficial only. Our faith compels us to move beyond lip service. Our Lord calls us. The inspired scriptures, they command us to move beyond service into authentic, genuine, and quite frankly, vulnerable connections with God and with each other. If I can be frank for a moment. Um social media is an enigma to me. <laughs> I I I really don't understand why people put things on there that they do. Some of it is is just, you know, that's that's their thing and that's not my thing, but See, I, I, as a means of self-preservation for the social anxiety I felt as a child, I developed a skill set of of always controlling how people saw me. It baffles my mind how people just throw anything on on, on there. Like I said, it, it, some of it's, you know, it's it's, you know, not my thing, not my cup of tea. But some of it's like maybe that's not really the Best thing to do there, bud. There is, however, what seems to be a a, a modern day parable that, uh, with social media that conveys Jesus' teaching on prayer and and doing good deeds. Jesus says, "When, when you pray, don't be like the Pharisees who love to stand on the corner and be seen by people. I think of all these videos of someone who's, who's being nice to a homeless man or, or, or caring for a child in some way or rescuing a squirrel with a yogurt cup on its head. <laughs> What's the video about? You want to help a homeless man, that's good. Do it, but why record it? Why record anything? Because you want it to be seen. You want the story to be told. But who comes out the hero? Our faith? Our Lord? Or the one who's doing good? Jesus said, don't let your right hand know what your left hand is doing. So, social media, it's, it's an avenue for an exchange of ideas. You know, whether it's effective at that or not is is a moot point. But the question is, is do we get sucked into this self-promotion? Do we put on a Facebook face that portrays piety? Now, see, when when I say we, I don't mean you. I mean We. James makes it a point here and what he's driving at and many, many comment on is, is that this, this faith in action is about showing a proof of faith, but this proof, it's, it's not done in order to convince others. No, this proof is for our own use. We need it to examine our own hearts, examine our own motives, examine why we do what we do. Is our faith guiding our actions? If not, what is? When our faith is guiding our actions, fruit will follow. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Because those come by the way of the Spirit, dwelling within all of us who are disciples of Jesus, But if you're not seeing those in your life, then look to see where your faith is. If someone else, uh, someone in your small group or, or Pastor Tony begins to see that those are not in your life, then take heed to their admonishment and look to see where your faith is. Elders, If at some point you ever see a hint of superficiality and self promotion in me, then I beg you. I challenge you as a man to call me out on it. Y'all, this following Jesus thing, we're in it together. In fact, it's this very aspect of accountability in the discipleship process that we intentionally seek after through our small groups. This is why we proclaim the authority of God's word without apology, because it is useful for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. So, how do we have a good faith in a good God? By not having actionless faith, by not putting faith in our actions, to move beyond lip service of our thoughts, and lastly, to move despite our differing paths. Take a look at Abraham, the patriarch of the Jewish nation. He was obediently responsive to God. Many of us know the story, but to give a quick recap, God promised Abraham he would be the father of many nations. After years of being childless and efforts on his own to bring about that promise, God finally provided and gave him a son of promise. And then God does the unthinkable. He asks Abram to sacrifice this promised child. Abram trusts in God and by faith is obedient up to the point where Abraham would have had no doubt that he would have went through it if God had not told him to stop. James writes this, was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? You see that faith was active along with his works and faith was completed by his works. And the scripture was fulfilled that says Abraham believed God and was counted to him as righteousness and he was called a friend of God so of course Abraham obeyed God and God spoke directly to him who wouldn't obey Abraham was special wasn't he I mean, the father of many nations Abraham comes on the scene uh, in history And we know little of him. He was born, he got married, he had no children. He moved with his father till his father passed away and then God spoke to Abram telling him to go and away he went. As far as we know, this was Abram's life. God spoke and he listened. It's not to say that Abram didn't make mistakes and poor choices and sin. But there does not seem to be a time in his life where God was not present. Like many of our children here at Harvest Decatur who are growing up in in the admonition of Deuteronomy 11 and who are having the gospel presented consistently in Harvest Kids and who are coming to VBS. (laughs) Yeah. But yet there's a caution to not become apathetic towards God's grace. For those who have always known God don't forget that the grace of God covers your sin as much as it does anyone else. In fact, the better we understand this, the more we will love God for those who are forgiven. Little love little. If we think little of our sin, we will think little of God. Abraham could have easily boasted of his own goodness based on the closeness he had with God, but he didn't because his faith in a good God moved him to do good deeds. Mainly obedience so now take a look at Rahab the most unlikely of heroes she too was obediently responsive to God James wrote this concerning her story I'm gonna put these on before you see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone And in the same way was not Rahab, the prostitute, justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them away by another way? So Rahab, a citizen of an enemy, exercises faith in God of another nation. Unlike Abraham, Rahab's sins were apparent to everyone, and no one would ever confuse that she was God's friend, and yet she acted as though she was. God's people were in need, and Rahab helped them. That's what friends do. Rahab's life was not easy. There was no clear-cut direction of go or do this. She stepped out in faith, and she showed love to people that needed it. She had heard of all that God had done in the Red Sea and beyond and believed him to be the God in the heavens above and on the earth beneath. Because of her belief, she showed kindness to God's people. She didn't boast of her great understanding or how she could see the truth as one being far from God. She simply sought the kindness of God. For those of us who struggle at life and at times God feels like He is a nation away, Remain steadfast in your faith. Remember all good things come from God for our God is a good God. So like any good persuasive speech, James concludes with restating his argument. For as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. If we think that we can separate these two, we'll end up with a corpse in each hand. The book of James is full of imperatives, but this passage, it doesn't have a single command. James knows that if we understand the necessity for response stemming from our faith, then we will adapt. Our faith is to be alive and active because our Lord is alive and active. Jesus was obedient to the point of death on a cross, but he didn't stop there. His lifeless corpse resumed its place among the living three days after. And he is alive now, not walking on this dirt ball as he once did, but somehow he's alive physically in the presence of Father. However that works, and through his spirit, those of us who follow him, we are connected and we are alive with him. How can we not act? Belief elicits response. Pray with me. Gracious Father, I thank you for your grace, I thank you for your gift of love and your mercy. for it indeed has covered a multitude of my own sins. And those of all of us in this room, Lord, we desire to honor you. We desire to be faithful to you. And we stand on the promise of your word And because of your faithfulness to us and your faithfulness to your word, you work through us. God, we do not want to be idle. We do not want to to stand by and, and watch time slip away. Help us, Lord. Help us to be good fathers and good mothers. Help us to be faithful brothers and sisters. Help us to be your body, loving one another, forgiving one another. Encouraging one another. Help us to be like you. And Lord, we look forward to the day where we get to be with you again in the true sense. For your glory that we pray lord jesus and by your name amen